Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. While you're looking that up, I want to say a few things. Satan cannot put anything on you that you don't receive or permit. I said the devil can't put anything on you that you do not receive or permit him to put on you. He has no right to do that. How many of you know that? Anything he does to you, you've permitted. You say you've got a scripture for that, 1 Peter 5, 8. Well, certainly. But your adversary, the devil, walk, uh, walketh. He's walking around. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may. Well, seeking whom he may devour. Now, I'll tell you what, right now, I just purpose in my heart, he's not devouring me. Did you hear that, Mr. Devil? He's not devouring me. Oh, he had his chance and tried to, but he didn't do it. And I'll tell you what, he's not going to do it. Because 1 John 5.18 says, He that's begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. And as long as you're, you're, you will keep yourself, that wicked one will not be able to touch you. So remember this now. Anybody that has something put on them by the devils because you let them. That's, it's time we rightly divide the word of truth and the word of God. He can't do it unless you permit him to do it. And you'll see as we go on here that it's by your faith. In God's Word. And by releasing faith in God's Word, you protect yourself from the wicked one. Uh, let's look at this first verse of the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. We've already said it. We're just talking, talking. As a matter of fact, let's put it that way. We're talking about faith. We're talking. We're letting the Holy Spirit lead us and guide us. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. He meets you where you're at. Everything goes forth in love. He loves you where you're at. He's making sure that you're growing up into Him in all things. As long as you're got, you've got yourself on the way, on the straight and narrow going forward, then praise God, there's no condemnation to you. The Spirit of God is moving on your behalf and all the things that you see in God's Word are yours. Everything is yours. Paul said all things are yours. Over there in 2 Corinthians, I think 2.14. He says God causes us to triumph all the time in everything in Jesus Christ. We're triumphant. We are more than conquerors through the Word of God. In Hebrews 11 chapter, we are talking about faith. We've already said that faith comes how? Very simple. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Let me put it to you like this. The more you hear of God's Word, the more you're going to have faith in God's Word. The more you hear of the outside, the more you're going to have faith in the outside activity around you. I mean, if you watch television there from the time you get home from work until it's time to go to bed, you're going to have faith in the TV set. And if you watch soap operas and if you watch doctor shows and stuff like that, you're going to have faith in medical science. And if you watch some of them soap operas, you're going to have faith in divorce. Sure, what do you think all these thoughts are implanted into people's minds? They watch it. They see it. They focus in on it. It grabs a hold of their attention. They listen to it. And the devil implants things inside their mind. And before you know it, they're acting on it. Well, faith comes by hearing, so what you're hearing is what you're having faith in. What are you hearing? If you're hearing God's Word, you'll have faith in God's Word. But now listen, it's not enough just to sit down and listen to someone preach, or something, someone at any place, any church, any time, just preach something. It's got to be truth. To get faith in God's Word, you've got to hear truth, and we're going to explain that right now. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, as Hebrews 11.1 1 says. Let's give you some definitions. In 
All right, let's look at the first words. Faith, now faith is the substance. Faith is always now, first of all, and faith is the substance. Now, substance, I've given you this before, but if, if you didn't write it down, take time to write it down. The reality that underlies every manifestation or change. The reality that underlies every manifestation or change. That's substance. The reality that underlies every manifestation or change. Well, this pulpit was made out of wood. We know that. And this, we could trace it all the way back to the tree. And all your wood products come, and paper products come from, it's the source of the tree. Of course, it's molded into something different. But you've got to realize that the substance that this was made out of goes all the way back. Faith is the substance. But what was the tree made out of? See, your five physical senses only takes you back to physical truth. But they, it cannot take you further back into spiritual truth. So, the Word of God is spirit. Jesus said, the words I speak, they are spirit and they are alive. They are not physical. They are not natural. The flesh profiteth nothing. The senses Profit you nothing. The words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Faith, now faith, is the substance. All right, now listen. Well, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing comes by the word. When I hear the word, all right, it brings faith. And we're going to look at something else, but let's give you the next definition here. Evidence. Evidence is that which furnishes proof. That which furnishes proof. Faith is the substance or faith is the reality that underlies every manifestation or change. And it's the evidence or it furnishes proof to what? Okay, the scripture says, now faith is the substance of the thing you're hoping for. But it's the evidence or the proof of what you do not see. You do not see anything behind that tree. But you know it's there. You know, we've we got a seed. We know we get seeds. But we get, go all the way back to the beginning over there. Well, where, what came first, the seed or the tree? Well, what came first, the man or the baby? The man did. The man was created, wasn't he? All right. So, faith then takes you beyond. And you've got to understand this if you're going to walk by faith. Faith takes you beyond the natural world. It takes you beyond the five physical senses. It takes you back into the supernatural world. It takes you into the world of the Spirit. It takes you into the things you cannot see. You cannot see words. But words are the most creative and powerful force there is in, there, there is in the earth today. Words. Words. Words created the entire universe and everything that's here. By the word that God spoke, the world was framed. By the faith that He had, He spoke forth them words and this world came into existence. Now, faith in His Word. Faith in God is faith in His Word. Now, faith is the substance. You've got to realize this, that faith is real. It is a real substance. It is a reality. Let's give you another scripture. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. Okay, so faith comes by hearing the word, or we can insert the word truth. Faith comes by hearing the truth. Faith comes by hearing the word. Okay, sanctify them by thy word. Thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. The word is truth. So when I hear the truth of God's word, it brings faith to me. Now, this is not truth. If God wants you to be sick, then you're going to be sick. If God doesn't want you to be healed, then you'll be healed. That's not truth. Now, there's a lot of people that preach from a pulpit that way, but that is lie. That is a lie. It's, it's, it's straight from the devil. It's not true. You, can't, you cannot find any scripture in the Bible to back up that statement. Anywhere. That's not truth. The truth of God's Word is Himself took your infirmities and bare your sicknesses, and that truth will never change. You could say all the ands and the ifs and the buts that you want, but the truth will always say, by His stripes you were healed. 
By His stripes you were healed. You were, you were, then you are. Now, that is ultimate truth. Now, notice something. In the new birth, it took more than just the Word. It took the Word and the Spirit. My words are spirit and my words are life. It took more than just the word. You've got to be born again of the water and of the spirit. They two work together to produce things. When God spoke that word, let there be light, the spirit of God was hovering upon the face of the deep. And when those words went forth, then the spirit of God quickened those words out there and light became. Amen. So it's the Word and the Spirit that agree in one. Now look at uh, John sixteen thirteen if you want to. John sixteen thirteen. he said, How be it when He, the Spirit of truth, is come. The Spirit of truth. Okay, or let, let's define truth. The reality that lies at the basis of an appearance. Truth is the reality that lies at the basis of an appearance. It's being held together by the word of His power. Right? It's, a, it's an existence. Can you imagine if God... Called, well, let's, we'll give you an example. He did it. Jesus did it. The words that He spoke when He cursed the fig tree caused the fig tree to do what? The same words that created that fig tree were the same words that spoke and said, Now no man's going to eat fruit off this tree forever, from here forever after. No more. That's it. And it died. It ceased being. It no longer was in existence. Proving that there was a substance greater than the physical object itself that created it. Proving that when those words are used, even on the physical world itself, that physical world can be changed. And it will be changed if you understand the principles of faith. And if you understand the law of the Spirit. There are two laws in existence. Well... There are physical laws and there are spiritual laws. Now, it seems to me that if anybody understood physical law, there shouldn't be any, any problem about understanding spiritual law. Now, physical law says what goes up must come down. We call it the law of gravity. If it goes up, it comes down. That's the law of gravity. That law of gravity is working in the earth today. You're not floating up and around in the air somewhere. But did you ever get off in outer space? Well, maybe you didn't, but somebody did. Did they stay on the ground or did they float? They floated. Why? Because there was no law of gravity. That's a law. That's a spiritual law. That law is designed to keep us walking on our feet, not on our heads. And it works. But when you violate that law, you could get hurt. If you walk up, up, up on the top of this building and you slip, I'm not pr pronouncing any curses, but I'm just giving you an example. If you were to not watch what you're doing and fall down, of course, the law of gravity is in operation. And God put it there. But would you say God knocked me off the building and I fell down and broke my leg? Well, certainly you wouldn't say that. There was a, there was a natural law. You got out, got out beyond, that, beyond that law. You violated that law when you walked off the, the edge or wherever you tripped and fell, whatever it is, and you came down and you got hurt. Now, that law was not designed to make you fall off the roof and get hurt. That's not the purpose of the law. The laws that uh, control the operation of electricity were not made to kill people. But when those laws are violated, the same electricity that heats your home and cooks your meals could kill you. Isn't that right? Because you cannot violate them laws. They're in operation and they work. Now, the law of the spirit of life. Well, let's put it this way. The law of sin and death and the law of the spirit of life are the two spiritual laws in the earth, in the spirit world. They're in operation. One works by fear and one works and operates by faith. Now, the law of sin and death went into operation when Adam turned over his lease to Satan. That's when the law of sin and death went into operation. All right. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus went into operation when He was raised up from the dead. Now, let's, let's just think about this for a moment. If that law went into effect in the Garden of Eden... When uh, Adam fell and turned everything he had over to the, to the devil, if that law went into effect and began to work, then it means Satan did a work inside the heart of man. And the first thing from his lips is, I was afraid. He was afraid. He was ashamed. He could not stand in the presence of God because of the sense of condemnation, because the glory was removed. That glory that covered him. 
that gave him that oneness with the Father. See, he could just walk right into the presence of God, praise God, just right in the cool of the day, and just say, Father, you know, I like the job I'm doing down here. Talk to him. Walk around there. Talk with him. Amen. Well, the law of the Spirit of life went into effect when Jesus was raised from the dead. If by one man sin death reigned, or sin came into the world and death by sin, then how much more by one man's obedience, I had nothing to do with it, one man's obedience, justification and righteousness came to me. And let's say it like this. What Satan did in the heart of man in the Garden of Eden cannot compare to what Jesus did in the heart of man when you got born again. No, Satan is not greater than Jesus of Nazareth. Never was and he never will be. But it's only when we take the force of faith and appropriate it and put to, to good use in our lives the law of the Spirit in life, of life in Christ Jesus, can we override and overcome the law of sin and death. And that's what we're talking about. And it's talking about this verse right here that we're looking at. Over here in, in, in Hebrews, it works this way. Faith works in the unseen world. You do not see it. You cannot see it. You can see the effect of it, just like the wind. You cannot see the wind, but you can see the effect of the wind. You can see when that house is torn apart from a tornado, but you don't see the wind. You might be able to see the particles of dust and the dirt and the papers and everything that's going in the whirlwind, but you cannot see the wind itself. But you know that there, it's an effect. It's working. It's doing damage. It's doing something. Now, there is a greater... Sci- it's, it's really, we could call it a scientific law. It is a law. I, bet you, I would venture to say that God is the greatest scientist ever was. Amen. I mean, He is the greatest. He has discovered laws that cause you to walk on water. Did you know that? Jesus proved it. I mean, he was just taking a stroll out there in the middle of the sea and they were just paddling their boat along. And he would just pass them right on by. But Peter looked out and said, Oh dear. How did he do that? He knew the law. See, science only has its known laws. There are known scientific laws, but there are unknown scientific laws too. And I, I venture to say that God's a lot smarter than man. And when Jesus was here, he tapped into the source of God's supply and his wisdom, and he walked in it, walked right across the water. Walk right across the water. How do you do that, you say? By faith. God is a faith God, and everything you get from God comes by the way of faith. And faith is the force behind the laws of the Spirit. And if you learn how to apply and appropriate the law of faith, you better just tell that devil to step aside because you are coming through. Move over, Satan. God's people's coming through. And I'm, I'm one of them. I'm just coming right on through. There are laws in the earth today for everything, but there is a spiritual law behind it that is greater and supersedes the natural laws. Now, let's give an example. We can alter the law of gravity through the law of lift. If you put the law of lift into motion, then the law of gravity, using the law of gravity, of course, then the law of lift will override that law and you'll just ride above the clouds. Now, you ready to get riding above the clouds in Jesus? If you operate the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, you will ride above the clouds. You will ride and live your life in heavenly places above all the disaster that's in this world. If you operate it, but you can sit inside your air, airplane and not know a thing about it and just sit there and get behind it and just act like some big shot and just sit there and you never go anywhere. Never lift off the ground. Why? Because you didn't know how to operate it. And that's exactly what has happened in the church world. The church, the body has never learned how to operate the spiritual laws of faith. And because of it, there they are. They made excuses why God wouldn't do this, why God wouldn't do that, why God wouldn't do this, why God wouldn't heal so-and-so, why God wouldn't deliver so-and-so. And before you know it, we've got him being some big crook and criminal, taking people's lives and doing all kinds of disastrous things to people. And that's a lie on the Father God. You might as well say amen to that one, because that's a lie. And I, I, and I think it's a disgrace to say that God let any child die. I think it's a disgrace to say that God killed anybody with cancer or took anybody's life. It's ridiculous. You have no scripture to prove it. God is the giver of life, not the taker. Amen? Amen. Well, now, in, in John 16, 13, it says, How be it when he the spirit of... Now, notice this. The word is truth. You're going to like this. You've got to get a hold of it. The word is truth. 
Sanctify them by thy word. Thy word is truth. And the Spirit is truth. They are both ultimate reality. The word is truth. The Spirit of truth. That is the reality that lies behind all that's in existence today. It is the Word and the Spirit that work together to create everything that's in the world. Those things you do not see. You do not see those things. God operates on the basis and on the principles of faith. You are made in His likeness and in His image and you are expected by Him to operate in the same ways that He does. That's the way of faith. Now, when you take the Word of Truth and you have the Holy Spirit working together, then the words that you speak in faith, when you speak them forth in faith, and you do not take back them words. You know God never took back His words when He spoke it? You know the light still exists? Do you know that if, if, if God would say, Now stop, son, or stop, light, What would happen? What would happen? You know, he just, he's been holding that faith confession for how many years now? 6,000? How many minutes did you hold yours and let go? 6,000? 6, 6,000 years he spoke it and said, and he's never gotten off his confession. And you know the Bible says that that word will never change? And he says that word will endure forever? Something else flashed across my spirit. How fast do they say light's moving? Enormously fast? God is light. He's endless. God is light. You know that song that says he's so high we can't get over him, he's so low we can't get under him, he's so wide we can't get around him? God is light. He is forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And the words that he spoke, the words that he spoke at the beginning are right now going on forever. And there's not a word that will be void of power. Not one word. Now, faith in God is faith in God's Word. When the Holy Spirit, who is ultimate reality, the Spirit of reality, and the Word together are spoken together, when the Word speaks and when the Holy Spirit is there to quicken that Word, then the words that you speak become God's words. Listen. When that maniac tries to put some sickness or disease on your body, and you have filled up your spirit, man, with the word that says, with his stripes, I am healed. You just sit back and meditate the word. The moment you release those words from your lips, you don't care what the senses tell you. you the moment you release those words, the Holy Spirit is right there to quicken those words together. And when he gives life to those words that you have spoken, then what you have spoken must come into existence in your life. That is the law of faith. It is a spiritual law. What the man believes in his heart and speaks with his mouth will come into being. That is spiritual law. It's found in Mark eleven twenty three, and we'll go over it a little bit later. But just to give you an example, uh, one fine faith teacher said that she went to a Bible study meeting in, in someone's basement. And uh, I think test these testimonies when you're in the area of faith will help us to see with our spiritual eyes better. And she says... They had a pan of hot water that they were boiling for cocoa to make cocoa. And she spilled it. It was boiling on her hand. And she says, if you ever want to hear a pain. Now, she dumped that whole thing on her hand accidentally, of course. But she says, I did not. Now, listen. Listen to the steps. She says, I knew how faith worked. I did not say a word. Not a word. I didn't say anything. Then... I got somebody to agree with me, and we said, in the name of Jesus, my hand is whole, it's healed, it has no power over me, pain be gone, so on and so forth. She says, I sat down there for that Bible study with the worst pain you could imagine. You couldn't imagine the intensity of that pain. She says, it felt like my skin was going to explode. Well, the first thing that... The, now, listen. The first thing that the devil said... You better look at that hand because your skin's coming off. 
And she refrained from looking at her hand. And she slipped it behind her back. So she wouldn't see it. Remember this when you're driving in your car and your gas gauge says almost empty and you're believing God. Put a piece of tape over the gas gauge so you don't see it. Otherwise you're, you know... Forget the temptation. You got more. Use the wisdom of God. Put a piece of tape over there. You won't look at the thing. Thank you, dear Father God, for the gas. She put that thing behind her back and just slipped it back there. And, of course, this is where the battle starts. The devil comes to the mind. Don't you know that that, that it's, you're, it's because the skin's coming off. You better take a look at it. You better see what's going on. And she says the pain was so intense. She wanted to scream. Everybody else thought she was fine. Can you imagine sitting there? I mean, just on fire. Your hand's just on fire. Now, God knew her situation. He knew what had happened. But I want to show you how this works. We have got to disregard the scene, the feelings, the hearing. You've got to disregard the sense world. When you get out into the realm of the supernatural, you have got to disregard the senses and put them away. She said, bless God, but I won't even look. She just kept her hand back there. And she just kept saying, By stripes I'm healed. Himself took my infirmities, bear my sickness, and with his stripes I'm healed. And with his stripes I am healed. Himself took my infirmities, bear my sickness, and with his stripes I am healed. That's the word. Faith cometh by hearing that word. And she kept saying it, and she kept saying it, and she kept saying it, and she kept saying it. And within 30 minutes, she said, 30 minutes, 30 minutes, probably like 30 hours. 30 minutes later, she said, I knew I could put my hand back. And she says, I put my hand back over here in front of me like that. It was just as normal as the other one. Perfectly normal. Now, most people would have reacted by saying, Oh, I burned my hand. Whew. We better go. To... Now, listen, I'm not, I'm not putting anybody down by saying that. I'm saying this. People want to know why you, you say you people that preach faith say you've got to speak the word all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. Because when something happens and calamity does attempt to come your way, what comes out of your mouth is what's going to be in your heart at that time. And if you are not prepared to speak the word at that time, you are going to speak doubt and unbelief. And what you say first is basically what's going to hold true. It's going to take you a whole lot more meditating and praying and studying and, and getting yourself separated with God's word. It's going to take a whole lot more of that to get your victory. Now, I would venture to say that if she took another route, she may have burned like that for two days. But she sat there, and 30 minutes later, she says, I'm not, I don't, God is not limited by time. And you know that as well as I do. But the words that she spoke went into the spirit world, and the spirit world began to work. You've got to see that. You have got to see the angels. I could just see them guys hustling out there. Glory, look at them. Look at them going. Look at them. Man, hello, glory. Be to God, they're working for me. Hallelujah. You've got to see that. Blessed be God. There's healing. Oh, glory to God. You've got to see that. Faith is the substance of the things you hope for. It's the evidence of what you don't see. It's the proof of what you do not see with your five physical senses. I have got it. Thank you, dear Father God. That's how faith works. That's what faith is. And the Holy Spirit is right there. He is a comforter. He is a helper. That's why you're going to sit there and pray in tongues. That's why you're going to sit there and quote the Word of God. It's the Word in tongues. It's the Spirit and the Word. Working together to perfect you until that manifestation of your healing comes. Now, let's go, uh, let's go back into Hebrews. You're in John. Let's go back into Hebrews. I want you to see these things because you've got to understand them if you're going to get into the supernatural, into the spirit world. You know, this is just a doorway. The Holy Spirit is a doorway into the spirit world, the supernatural world. There is so much for us to learn about the spirit world, about the supernatural world. I want to learn it now. I don't want to wait till I get... When you get there, there's no fun as far as beating the devil on the head. I mean, I, I, want, I want to be proud enough when I stand before the Lord and say, Lord, I put them 13,000 knots on the side of His head. Glory to God. Amen. I mean that. I don't know, but I played ball. And I played to win. I did not play to lose. We're not talking about playing. We are talking about the life and death of people. We're talking about the eternity of people. We're talking about the healing of people. We're talking about the prosperity of people. And all, 
all this together, we're talking about the finished work on Calvary that Jesus suffered and died for, and I'm not going to let that devil run all over me when Jesus did it for me. I'm not going to let him do it. I play to win when I played sports. And I'll tell you what, I'm not going to let him get me. He's not going to defeat me. There's no way he could try all he wants. Blessed be God, I let him know it right now. I am going to stand in God's Word, and having done all the stand, I'm going to stand and stand, and I'm just going to use God's Word until we just choke Him with it. Amen? And put the pressure on. Some people don't like to hear. They say, what are you talking about? What's this guy talking about? I've never heard stuff like that before. We'll just stick around for a while. You'll see what we're talking about. You won't be sick anymore either. Praise God. You'll walk healed. Hebrews 11.3. Through faith, through faith, through faith, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that things which are seen. So that things which are seen. You got that in your Bible there? It's in there. Listen. Things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Or the things which are seen are not made of things that are visible. Did you know that everything that was made that's made in this world was not made by things that are visible to to our eye? But everything that was made in this world was made by things that you don't even see. You don't see these things. But now you tie in 2 Corinthians 4.18. It says, While we look not at the things that are seen, for the things that are seen are temporal or subject to change. Now, everything in this world system is subject to change. It is subject to change. I want you to get that in your spirit. Any situation, are you listening to me? Every situation in your life right now is subject to change. It could change. But God's Word will never change. So it is subject to change. When you apply the Word of God, when you apply the Word of faith, when you put supernatural laws together on your behalf, then that Word is going forth and the power of the Holy Spirit is going forth. The ultimate reality, the substance of your hope is going forth and it's going to change your situation in your life. Now, we've got to understand that there's a spiritual law. Now, let's go to it. You cannot preach faith without going to Mark 11, 23. It's just impossible. You all know it by heart. I believe you know it by heart. Some people don't know it's in the Bible, but it's in there. In 22, he says, have faith in God. Mark 11, 22. Better translated, have the faith of God. How many, find any, how many of you have a problem saying, I have the faith of God? Anybody? Nobody? Well, if I just had some faith. God gave you His faith, didn't He? You have the faith of God. I have the faith of God. Galatians 2.20 says, I no longer live, but Christ liveth in me. The life I live now in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I've got the faith of the Son of God. You have the faith of the Son of God. It is the faith that created this world. I have it and you have it. It's in us. It's in you. It's in me. Now, he says over here, this is that faith. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he said shall come to pass, he shall have what? Okay, he's going to have whatsoever he saith. He's going to have whatsoever he saith. What's he going to have? Say it louder. What's he going to have? He's going to have what he says. He is going to have what he says. That person will have what he says. If he believes in his heart and says it with his mouth, if he says it with his mouth and believes it with his heart, he is going to have what he says. He's going to have what he says. He's going to have what he says. He will have what he says. That is a law. Write that in your Bible. This is a law. It has to work. It cannot fail. It must work. It cannot fail. It will not fail. It will never fail. I want that to be impressed in your spirit that God said it and it will not fail. And then in verse 24, he said, Therefore, I say unto you, what things, what things soever, what things soever you desire, when you pray, when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall, and you shall. Believe you receive them and you shall. Believe you receive them and you shall have them. What are you to believe? 
You are to believe that you receive them and you shall have them. That is the law of faith. Mark eleven twenty four is the prayer of faith. It works every time someone uses it. It cannot fail. It cannot fail. It cannot fail. It has got to work. It will work every time a person uses it. If it does not work, the Word did not fail. You did. And boy, I'll tell you, look out. When you make a statement like that, you're going to get 30 letters. Yeah, because of pride. Every one of them, P-R-I-D-E. Because His Word says it works. You can say all you want. I'll say, I'll quote it to you. From now till Jesus comes. Jesus said, whatever you desire when you pray, if you'll believe you receive them, you will have them. And there's not an and, if, or a but in there. Not an and, not an if, or a but. Here's where the problem lies. You have got to believe it with your heart and not with your head. You've got to believe it from your spirit man. And there's only one way to believe it with your spirit. That's to saturate your spirit with the Word of God. Go to John's Gospel, the fourth chapter. I want to show you that the Bible shows us that people call things that be not as though they are. Just by a word. And I want to give you something else to, uh, that you could chew on. Dr. Lillian B. Yeomans. She said that if you look to see if God's healing you after you pray, that's a sin. You talk about tough. Boy, that's tough. She said, once you pray the prayer of faith, and if you look to see if God's healing you, that's a sin. Don't you doubt God? You know, doubt is a sin. How many of you know doubt's a sin? How many of you know that it's a great sin? How many of you know that it's the sin that kept the children of Israel out of the promised land? How many know that it's the greatest sin that, that, that keeps the church out of all the promises of God? It is a sin. Doubt and unbelief is a sin. It's going to be judged just as that sin. It's a sin. It's a sin. Now in John's Gospel, the fourth chapter, let's take a look at verse 46. Jesus came... Again, the Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine, and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Jesus said, Except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come down here, my child died. Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word, 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 and the that Jesus spoke has spoken unto him, and he won his way. And he won his way. Now I want you to see something here. You know how far apart Capernaum is from Canaan? Canaan? Fifteen miles. That's a little bit beyond Rochester from here. How long will it take you to walk to Rochester from here? Any idea? Now, I don't want to hear a couple days. Come on. Four hours, brother? This brother can do it in four hours. Anybody here any less? Come on. How fast can you get there? How fast can you walk it? Fifteen minutes. Okay. Now listen. Let's give the guy the benefit of the doubt. He was slow. Okay. Now you just came to Jesus. And you said, now Lord... My son's dying. He's 15, well, less 15 miles away from here. All right? Even if it took three hours or four hours to get there. Jesus said, go your way, your son liveth. This is one o'clock in the afternoon. One o'clock in the afternoon. Go your way, your son liveth. Well, let's see what he did. Verse 51. Uh, verse 50 at the end says he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. The same words. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend, and they said unto him, When? Yesterday. Yesterday at the seventh hour. Yesterday at one o'clock in the afternoon the fever left him. Yesterday? Yesterday? Yesterday. That guy should have been home by about 
Well, let me give you this. If it were my child, if it were your child, probably. Now, I'm not, of course, talking, we got some faith here. We know that. But still, wouldn't you be excited and want to just run on home? I mean, wouldn't you? I, I'll tell you, I would make it not the shortest amount of time possible. I'd have made it there in a couple hours. I'd have ran as far as I could run. Wouldn't you? Now, here it is. One o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus, go your way, your son liveth. He's over here in Cana. His son's in Capernaum. He figures, yeah, let me buy some groceries. Have a little supper. Maybe catch a good night's sleep. What's this showing us? Listen, friends, when the, that Bible said the man believed the word that Jesus spoke. When you believe, you say, I believe. When you say, I believe, you're saying a big thing. When you say, I believe the words that Jesus spoke, you won't do anything to contradict that word. You will say, you said it, glory to God, that's it. I'm not even going to talk about it any longer. I will not say one word to negate what you just said. You said, my son's alive, I'm going to have myself a little party right here. Never even saw whether or not that child was healed. They, they met him on the road and said, well, your son lived. Well, when, when, when did he start to mend? Yesterday, one o'clock in the afternoon, said, that's when the Lord said to me, thy son liveth. Now, that man believed it. He had to believe it. Or he'd have been home as fast as he could. Now, see, there's a lot of nuggets inside the Word of God. If you'll just dig deep into these things, you could find out that all this faith business is not what people think it is. It's the truth. And I'll tell you what, if it were not, to, for, if it were not for us getting into the realm of the supernatural, the realm of the Spirit, who in the world would want to just... Talk about some dead religion. Would you? Paul says if that's the case that there's no resurrection of the dead, let's eat and be merry and tomorrow we die. Right? But I'll tell you what. When you begin to get inside the realm of faith, when you begin to realize that you have the creative power of God inside your spirit and you could change the entire plan of your life by the Word of God, and you realize that you could begin to take God's place down here on this earth. And once you get yourself delivered and set free, you can go off and set free everybody else that's around you. Boy, it's going to change your entire way of living. It's going to change your entire scope on life. That word works. But it is, it's so true. It is so deep. Mark eleven twenty three is so deep. You've got to hear it. Day after day after day after day. I've got to hear this every day. The words that I speak have the power of life and death. Life and death are in the power of my tongue. If I keep my tongue, I'll keep my life and I'll keep my soul from destruction. A wise man speaks only good things. I'm a wise man because I speak only the Word of God. The Word of God is upon my lips. It's in my heart and therefore I'm going to speak only God's Word. My words are in righteousness. The tongue of the wise brings healing and health. I have joy by the answer of my mouth. In my pathway is life and there is no death. Amen. I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. I have all the fruit of his spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. I am justified. I am glorified. The Bible says who he called, he predestinated. And not only did he predestinate us, he called us and he justified us and he glorified us. And He's given me all things that pertain unto life and unto godliness. And I'm a partaker of His very own divine nature and He lives in me. Moves in. I move, live in Him, move in Him and have my being in Him. I have got to hear that every day of my life. I have got to hear that the words I speak have life. I have got to hear that by the words I speak that come out of my heart will produce either life or death in, in my life and in your life. It'll either cause a blessing or cause a cursing. It'll cause you to be delivered or be set in bondage. That's what faith is all about. And those angels are ever ready. They're ready. They're all around you right now. They're, when you say, angels, now go out there and watch my child in Jesus' name. They're right there on, the, on, on, on their path. Right behind them. They pitch the tent out there to make sure them kids stay free. Amen. The Bible goes on to tell us that no evil can befall us. No plague can come nigh our dwelling. I've got to hear that every day. I've got to feed that into my inner man. You know why? Because there's all kind of plagues that are out there trying to get into me. Isn't that right? They're all around us. The Bible doesn't say they're not out there. He says, I prepared a table before you in the presence of all your enemies. And the enemies are out there. I've got to hear it. I've got to hear it. I've got to hear it. And then I've got to do it. And the Spirit of God has challenged, told me to challenge you, everybody here tonight. 
said, you just throw out a challenge and watch it work. And you're going to see how God's going to meet your need. He wants people to start saying, My God supplieth all of my need. My God supplieth all of my need. My God supplieth all of my need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And in my pathway, there's life, there's prosperity, there's healing, there's victory, there's power, there's the Word of God. Everything that pertains to life of God is mine. And there is the ability to change my lifestyle. Now listen, he said it just like this. If you've never believed God for any finances, tonight's your night to start. Based on Mark 11, 23 and 24, tonight is your night to start. You've given tonight. Now I don't care whether you need it or not. It's got nothing to do with it. He wants you to learn how to appropriate Faith for finances. You've got to learn how to do that. And I'm talking about being specific with your finances. Now, if you've never believed God for finances, and I don't care whether, you, whether you're well off or not, I don't care. You start tonight by appropriating Mark 11, 23, and 24. And you ask Him for $10. Ask Him for $10. Now, He told me to tell you to do this. Just say, Heavenly Father, your word is true. And you said that what things ever I desire, when I pray, believe I receive them and I shall have them. Now, I'm asking you for $10. I ask you for $10. According to your word, I believe I received $10. Now, thank you, Father, for the $10. Now, from the moment you make that confession of faith, you begin to say, Thank you, Father, I received $10. I believe I received $10. Mark 11:24 says, Believe you received them. Does it not? Believe you receive them. Believe you receive them. Believe you receive them. Believe you receive. I believe I received ten dollars. I believe I received ten dollars. I believe I received ten dollars. When you get it, then say, Father, I believe I received twenty dollars. Now listen. I mean this with all my heart. When I left my job, God might call you to go out to the missionary field. And you know what you're going to say when you get there? Boy, I wish I'd listened to that guy. Oh, dear God, dear God, dear God. Well, when I was working, you see, I had a good job. I didn't have to believe God for finances. Yeah, me either. Then I got called to, you want to call Oklahoma missionary field? I got called to go to school, give my job up. Pregnant wife. Get up my hospitalization. Everything that makes you comfortable out there. Amen. Right? And so, uh, I never had to believe God for finance. I never had to believe Him for money. Well, when you got a good job, you think you don't have to. Listen, it's not time to start believing God for money when you don't have any. It's time to start believing God now. That way, when you don't have any, you know how to do it. Isn't that right? So, we had to learn how to believe God for finances. I don't ever want to learn that way again. I don't ever want to learn that way again. That's why I haven't stopped doing it now. I still believe Him for finances, whether I need it or not. You say that doesn't Oh, let's get off. Let's get off something. God does not care whether you need the $10 or not. He doesn't care. Go buy your kids a Big Mac or something. He doesn't care. He don't care. Listen. You think, my, my kids come and ask me for that. That, that good humor truck goes up down the street and must be 20 times a day. A little BJ, Susie hears that bell. He's running. Ice cream. Ice cream. Money. That's, that's, all, that's all he needs to hear is that little ding ding. That's all. He hears that bell. It's, the hand is out. Wants money in that hand. Me come. And he's ready to run down to that truck. He don't care how many times it comes by. If he hears the bell, he could be sitting in his high chair eating. His eyes light up like this. And he's ready to run off. And boy, you know, you better, you better go stop that guy out there in a hurry, or he's going to be screaming for a while. But your heavenly Father loves you. He doesn't care if you have an extra ten dollars in your pocket. He wants to give you abundantly all things. Ask him for it. Oh, it's fun! It is so much. I can't tell you how much fun it is to watch God give to you. 
Do you know why it's fun to watch God give to you? Because He only gives to those who give. Give and it shall be given unto you. I could boldly walk into that throne room and say, Heavenly Father, I need ten dollars. He'll look down there and say, Well, you've given out more than that. Glory to God. Here. What, what do you think deposits are? What do you think deposits are called? You deposit money in your bank account, don't you go over there and withdraw it out? Well, what do you think you've been tithing for all these years? If you cut out all your tithe money that you put in there, all, especially if you've been saved for about 40 years, you know, and you pile up. You have got treasures in heaven stored up. You've got a bank account up there that is so big, you probably couldn't count all them numbers up there. And all you need is a measly $10 and he's not going to give it to you. Sure he is. He wants you, it'll please him to say, hey, believe me for that $10. You say, I got a job. and Well, so what? If you're going to limit God to your job, you might as well forget it. Your job's not going to get you anywhere. The average person not going to make what they need in a, to, to live abundant life in this lifetime. To do the things that they want to do. God's not against you taking a vacation or you doing anything. And he's not, he's not against any of that. He loves you. Go back to the Old Testament. Every single man of God. Job was the richest throughout all the East. Abraham they couldn't even count. Solomon they couldn't even count it. Right? But you know what I like? The Bible says God made him rich. The Bible says God made Job rich. The Bible says because you saw them ask for only wisdom and knowledge of my word, I'm going to give you everything. And he was wealthy. See, it's only when the money has you and not when you have the money. That's how faith works. And when you start asking, you ask him for $10. And I'll tell you what, you'll be so thrilled. You'll be coming in here with, waving your $10 and jumping up and down saying, Glory to God, I got $10 from God. My Heavenly Father gave me a $10. And then go down and get that good humor truck at the corner. <laughs> Buy your kids some ice cream. No, but the point is you've got to learn how to do it. The Word must be alive in you. Alright? You start the same way in the area of healing. Right, listen when I say this. I think this is where a lot of people miss it. If the area of healing is a big area, let's, let's say it's something that's cancer or tuberculosis, something that's already really, and a person never hears faith before, basically, you're going to need a gift of the Spirit. You're going to need time to fill them with the Word of God, fill their spirits up with the Word of God. Their spirit will, they, they can still get it. By that. And what we're teaching and what we're talking about is now that you're healthy, okay? Now that you're healthy, this method keeps you, to, keeps you healthy. You'll stay healthy. If you learn to walk by faith, you are going to stay healthy. You're going to stay in it. You're going to keep the wicked one off of you. If you're in the area that you need your healing, then you've got to concentrate your, your entire life right now. Just focus in on the healing scriptures and the Word of God. To build up your spirit, man, or, or just thank God for a gift of the spirit that's in operation. But anyway, God wants you delivered. But we're talking about living a complete, perfected, that's a good word, perfected life. Go to the 18th Psalm. In the 18th Psalm, these are some good confessions for you to make. This will build faith into your spirit, man, when you confess the word of God about your situation. Well, we're, we're doing it again. But that's all right. How many of you have been believing me, with me for the camp meeting? <laughs> 18th Psalm. These are good confessions. These are things you need to know about your father. Verse 2. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler, and the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler, the horn of my salvation, my high tower. 91st Psalm, verse 2, what does it say? He's my refuge, my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. All right, go to verse 30. As for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in Him. Okay? The way of the Lord is perfect, right? Go to verse 32. It is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way. How? How? You know the Scripture says He'll perfect that which concerneth you? 
God makes your way perfect, and He's going to make your way perfect in the way of faith. I'm, I'm going to say right now, Dan, not everybody you think has attained has attained. People think that guys that have been in faith for a while, they've got to a place that nothing can come upon them. Listen to me. They're walking in it and they're being perfected in it day by day. And just because they've been in it longer than you doesn't mean anything. It means they are still fighting the good fight of faith. This does not work easier for me than it does for you. It works the same way for me as it does for you. It works the same way for Kenneth Hagin as it does for you and it does for me. And if you'll just be, stay in it. Stay in it. Walk in it. Walk in it. Walk in it. Stay in it. Continue in it. Your way will be perfected in it. And when you get that perfected and you mature in it, glory to God, there's not going to be anything that's going to be able to destroy you. Satan won't have a chance against you. He's not going to be able to destroy you in your life. He's not going to be able to ever again put sickness and disease on your body. Never. Oh, I like that. He's not going to destroy you. I don't know about you, but I'll tell you what, this is what I want to hear. I don't want to have any half-hearted Christianity. I don't want to have to talk about something. Jesus didn't do it all. Jesus did it all. Anything less than saying that Jesus has provided it all for you and for me is saying that Satan did greater work in, in Adam than Jesus did. And I can't agree with that. Can you? How many believe that Jesus did a greater work in you than, than Satan did in Adam? You believe that? Say amen. amen. Well, I wanted to get into some more. I wanted to get into Matthew 7, 7. He says, Ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, lock shall be opened unto you. Him asketh, receive it. He that seeketh, find it. And him that knocketh, it shall be opened unto him. If you ask and did not receive, then you didn't ask the way God wants you to ask. If you was seeking and you didn't find, then you didn't seek the way God wanted you to seek. And if you knocked and it wasn't open, you didn't knock the way God wanted you to knock. Now, that's just the way it is. Because he says, Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open. It shall be open. That's not an end if for a but in there. Amen? And over there in Matthew 21, let's look at that scripture. Matthew 21, 21. And if you think these things aren't real in the Bible, you just underline them. Wait till they get inside your heart. One day, I'll see you on the street. And you'll be jumping up and down so high. And you'll come up and say, You know that scripture, Mark eleven twenty three. You can have what you say. I say, huh, You finally got it. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah to Jesus. Yeah. But you see, that's all right. Because that gets inside, once it gets inside your spirit, it's just a new way of living. I found a new way of living by faith. Hallelujah. I can call those things that be not as though they are, and they become the, be in existence when I speak that word. I like to share some things with you. Good stuff. Hallelujah. But I'll have to wait. Matthew 21, 21. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily I say unto you, If you have faith and doubt not, you shall only do that which is done to the fig tree, but also if you shall say to the mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things, all things, whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, when, when you believe in your heart and doubt not, and speak it, all things, whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. You shall receive. You shall receive. You shall receive. Are you ready to challenge for the challenge that the Holy Spirit has given you? I mean that. Are you ready? Slip up your hand. Let me put it this way. How many of you have never believed God, first of all, never believed God for, for finance, for money? I mean, a, you quoted an amount you needed. An amount that you actually need. How many of you never believed God in that area and received that money? Slip up your hand. I mean an actual amount. Like $10 or something like that. If you never received it. Now listen. We, I'm, I mean this. God wants us to learn how to do this. And you may say, well, I have faith. Faith come up by hearing in every area. And you have got to appropriate. It does not become alive until you use it. I mean, it becomes alive when you use it. Now, I've heard Brother Hagin himself say things like this here. Well, let me give you another guy, George Mueller. How many have ever heard of him? 
She said, I begin to believe in God for a dollar. And he says, and it was all the sweat that I could believe God for. Oh, I sweated to believe God for that buck. But in the latter part of his ministry, he believed God for a million dollars easier, he said, than that first buck. They gathered around their t- he, he was building orphanages all over the place. And they says they gather around their t- Now, I like this. Oh, this is such a great challenge. They gathered around their tables and put their plates on the table with no food and just sat there and said, okay. They waited until they got food. Someone says, how about all the people that are starving to death? I'd like to go preach for a while there. Watch turkeys fly down on their plates. Maybe spaghetti and meatballs. <laughs> Hallelujah to Jesus. Oh, I mean, it's fun. Now, I'm serious. If you say you never believed God for... Uh, uh, get ready to get like a little kid. You, it's just going to like just seeing a big bowl of spaghetti with meatballs. Just boom, just zap right on your table. Well, that one lady used to do that. She used to go, you know, she'd go out and, and get the pot and she'd stick it on a stove. This was in the Depression days, and she didn't have any, didn't have any money to buy any food. So I guess you're supposed to starve to death. Now, isn't that something way back there? Remember when Elijah's time? She says, I'm going to make my last meal, and we're going to starve to death, me and the boy. What kind of faith is that? Well, this woman said, she got the empty pot, stuck it on her stove. And you know what was funny about it? She had a different meal all the time. Went to bed, got up in the morning, there was food in it. Went to bed after it was empty, got up in the morning, put the pot there, empty, cleaned it up, put it right on the same stove. Went to bed, said, thank you, Father. Went to bed, got up, there's more food, different. What do you think of that? Boy, that gets me to shock. I could just jump up in the air talking about that. I mean, he's alive. He's living. He's real. He's here. He knows when you have needs. And he's right there to meet your need. And all you got to do is believe he's your heavenly Father. Say, now, Father, just fill up this thing with some spaghetti. Hallelujah. Go to bed. And every morning she had it. Well, now this fella, he got to the point that he had to believe God. He says, I had never missed a speaking engagement in my life. Never. He got to the point his faith was so great. But he started at a dollar. He didn't start at a million dollars. He started at a dollar. Then he believed for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50. And then he got up there. He said, I can believe God now for a thousand. Now, but what's the difference? A thousand, two thousand, three thousand. But got up there, now a million. To run that orphanage. Those orphanages that he had. Well, he was getting on a boat. He had to go to a place for a meeting. And uh, the captain of the ship said, no, 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 we can't go. The fog is settled. It's too thick. We can't travel. We're not going to travel out there. And he said, uh, I, got, I never missed a meeting. He said, I'm sorry. I'm the captain of this ship and we're not going anywhere. He said, well, let's pray about it. <clears throat> so they got inside the cabin, got down on their, on their knees, him and the captain. And while they was down there on their knees, uh, he prayed. And then the captain was going to start praying. He said, now, captain, he says, you don't believe there's no sense in you praying for anything you don't believe in. I'll do the praying. You just forget it. So he prayed. He says, well, let's, let's go now. Captain says, I'm not going anywhere in this fog. I told you. He said, look outside. There was no fog. Gone. He got on his knees. Prayed one prayer. Got back up. No fog. Let's go. You know, God will honor you. He says, I don't miss meetings, friend. I didn't miss him for any, but I'm not going to miss him for fog. And he prayed. And it was gone. This is the life of faith. It'll turn you loose. Someone's saying, why do you like to preach faith so much? Oh, glory to God, it'll get you on fire. That's what this whole thing is called, is the word of faith. You believe God, when that $10, you'll probably come through them doors. Hallelujah, waving it in the air. Glory to God. You know, it's fun to believe God. It is fun to believe God for finances. And then you get to a place that it is nothing to believe him for $50. And you start saying, well, hallelujah, Father, I need, uh, you know, $100. And more than anything else, you'll just be so tickled just to go back in your bedroom and say, now, Father, I believe I received $200. Oh, glory to God, hallelujah. You won't even think about it. But let me say it to you like this. Don't wait until you have a bill due tomorrow. To start believing for them $20. Just start now. If you've never believed, put your hand up again. If you've never believed God, you're going to get it right now. You're going to believe God for that money. The area of finances, slip up your hand. Now, how many of you want to believe? Keep your hand up. 
Okay. Now, we're going to pray a prayer of faith. According to Mark eleven twenty four, What things shall you desire? Now, you have already given in the offering tonight. Right? The Bible says, Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Running over. Shall men give into your bosom. Okay. On the basis of the Word of God, you have a right to ask your Heavenly Father for ten dollars. I know some of you are saying this don't sound like church to me. Well, that's all right. It's not church to me either. <laughs> We're talking about a relationship with the Heavenly Father. He's your Father. I want to know somebody who's my Father is going to meet my need. He said I promised to meet all your need, didn't he? No, I know you can use that ten dollars as well as anybody can. Amen. But see, the principle, the thing is, God wants you to believe Him for that $10. That's what I'm trying to get across. He wants you to believe Him for that $10. So now, we're going to pray a prayer of faith. Are you ready to believe? You ready to exercise your faith? Amen? We're going to stop our message right here so Tony can get that tape going. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.